the Girl Crush Podcast. Some theme music. We'll be your Sandra Bullock source. I love the range of movies that she's in. Her eyebrows, they're amazing. She's very striking features. Fast male co-star, quirky little personality. She's got real tears at multiple parts in this movie. Oh yeah. Key Sandra Bullock physical comedy. Powerful woman. I mean, she's a boss the whole movie. I'm just all in. Rom-com. Brilliant. Smart. Five out of five. Hello, and welcome to the Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Anne. And I'm Allie. We love Sandra Bullock, so this season we're watching all of her movies and ranking them. If you want to give us your own thoughts, be sure to connect with us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod. And as always, be sure to rate and review. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Demolition Man, which was released in 1993. In this movie, Sandra Bullock plays a character named Lenina Huxley. You can rent it on Amazon Prime. And a brief plot summary before we get into the details. After an intensifying war on crime, cop John Spartan and criminal Simon Phoenix are sentenced to be frozen in a cryo prison. When Spartan is thawed 36 years later, Phoenix has escaped and is wreaking havoc on what is now like a pacifist utopia. Spartan teams up with cop Lenina to try to stop Phoenix. So if you haven't seen this movie, Demolition Man, now would be your time to pause and go watch the movie. Otherwise, from here on out, there will be spoilers. Today's episode is brought to you by Imperfectly Co., a mother-owned small business that supplies lightweight clay earrings for every woman. The mission of Imperfectly Co. is to empower women to feel bold, modern, and capable of anything. We love these earrings. I got a pair of them a couple weeks ago, and I am obsessed. The colors are so pretty. I'll post a picture on our Insta story, so be sure to check them out. You can follow this amazing business on Instagram at imperfectlyco or at www.imperfectlyco.com. And use code GIRLCRUSH10 for 10% off your order. Hey guys, we have a super exciting opportunity to partner with Paramount Pictures on a giveaway for some digital download codes to a new movie releasing in the U.S. called Pixie, starring Olivia Cook, Cole Meany, and Alec Baldwin. You can be on the lookout on our Instagram page for how to get in on that giveaway for those codes this week through March 15th, 2021. New today on digital and on demand. Olivia Cook, Colm Meany, and Alec Baldwin star in the off-the-walls comedic action thriller Pixie. Pixie Hardy, played by Cook, is on the path to avenge her mother's death and attempts a heist that will allow her to leave her small-town life behind. When the plan goes horribly wrong, Pixie and a pair of misfits are on the run from an organized gang of criminal priests and nuns, leading to a hilarious and thrilling adventure. Own Pixie now on digital and on demand. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. All right. For the plot of Demolition Man, we gave this movie an overall plot rating of a 7.75 out of 10. Ooh. Ooh. Ah. (laughs) Honestly, I was going into this movie expecting it to be very dumb. I know, me too. I think we were both pleasantly surprised at this one. We judged this movie by the cover, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, it was released in 93. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think we just did not have high expectations. We didn't. The bar was slow. Low bar. Exceeded expectations. For sure. Let me tell you about it, Allie. Please do. (laughs) Okay, so the movie movie opens in 1996, the future, with Los Angeles literally on fire. There's tons of gunfire, and John Spartan, played by none other than Sylvester Stallone, and two guys are in a police helicopter pursuing a bus with hostages. It's not speed. (laughs) so spartan jumps out of the helicopter and starts a shootout with some guys on a rooftop and he beats up a bunch of people it's this like 
sweet 90s action music uh, scene. It's a really engaging opening scene. Like, it re- the movie started and I was like, oh, wow. Oh, okay. I'm in. The music hooks you. It does. It's very 90s vibes in the best way. In the best way. Yeah. I, that can go one of two ways. <laughs> <laughs> so Spartan approaches the bad guy, Phoenix, who he's allegedly been chasing for years, asking where the hostages are. He has a blowtorch, flicks a cigarette, lights the whole place on fire. <laughs> and Spartan jumps on this guy, they fight, and then the entire building blows up and collapses with them inside. Uh-oh. Of course, Spartan somehow survives. <laughs> and the other cops kind of reprimand him, calling him the demolition man for the damages caused. And the police then discover that the missing hostages were actually all killed <laughs> when the building collapsed. Aww. So. You know, so sad. Womp womp. So we then see some sort of like futuristic lab, and Spartan has been sentenced to 70 years in a cryo chamber for the involuntary manslaughter of the hostages. Like, excuse me? Right? Like, he was trying to save them. The other guy blew up the place. Yes. Like, seems you, very harsh. It's a really harsh, harsh punishment. Right. So in this cryo chamber, they plan to alter his behavior over time, and he'll eventually be released in 2046. Yes. And I feel like we learned things about cryo chamber things Mm -hmm. in this movie, because they're literally just like frozen as is. Yes. It's so weird. Also, I found it so funny, like... So the movie came out in 93. It's set at the beginning is like 1996. So it's like only three years in the future. But this is like crazy technology of like freezing somebody in a cryo chamber with the idea that they could be like frozen in time for decades. Right. But it's also like 90s future technology. So it's lots of like beeping and flashing lights and (laughs) large screens with, you know, like the green text. Yes. Uh, yeah, anyway, flash forward to 2032. So now we really are in the future. And Sandra enters. She's in a flying car and she's a police lieutenant. Side note, Anne, do you think we will have flying cars by 2032? Now that that's only, you know, 11 years away. No, I don't even think all cars will be electric by 2032. <laughs> like, I think we have so far to go. <laughs> I agree. I don't think it's going to be a priority. Like, if you look back, me either. If you look back at like 2010, let's say. Yeah. I feel like we haven't made a lot of progress in the last 11 years, personally. In technology? In many things. Well, yeah, that's a larger (laughs) conversation. But I feel like the biggest technology changes in the past 11 years have been like phones, phones and internet Mm -hmm. stuff, but not like. I don't know, manufacturing technology of, like, physical objects, maybe not as much. Right. We're not flying anywhere. I know medicine has advanced, but not at, like, some crazy exponential rate. Yeah, like, it's more gradual than this movie is thinking. (laughs) We have Alexa's now, and I guess she can be programmed to turn on my light, but usually she has no idea what I'm talking about, so that just feels like a giant (laughs) mess. Yeah, I think technology has advanced in a different way than people in the 90s thought it would have. Obviously, because it's hard for us to imagine what technological advances could look like because we don't know what they are yet. (laughs) But I thought for sure we'd at least have like a smart house by now. You know that DCOM, Disney Channel original movie, Smart House? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't have any smart house items, but. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I'm disappointed, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Someone out there, please build Anne a Disney Channel original movie version of a smart house. Please. I'm begging you. We need more than just Alexa. Honestly, she's a failure. I mean, let's just call it how it is. I mean, we do have like Roombas now, which I mean, one of the things I remember about Smart House (laughs) is like the cleaning robot. Yeah, but my Roomba has eaten dog poop before (laughs) and consistently gets stuck under the couch. So Roomba is dumb too. (laughs) So it's like we've tried and it's just like, right? It's yeah. It's just, you know, not quite meeting (laughs) expectations. You know what I just thought of? This episode will be, I mean, theoretically, people could listen to this episode in 2032. Oh my God, my mind is blown. And they'll be like, yeah, right, Anna and Allie, look how far we've come. They'll be listening in their flying cars. If you're dusting off some Apple Podcast archive in the year 2032, please write us. How old are please we going to be? Please do. I will. Oh, we're not going to be. Oh, that's not that far away. No, it's oh, no. not that far, but I will. be 40. I just. <laughs> I just almost had a heart attack saying I will be 40. I'm going to be like a soccer mom with a minivan. And my kids are going to be embarrassed. Well, maybe they're not going to be quite old enough yet to be embarrassed of me, I don't think. And we'll be on season 12 of Girl Crush Podcast. <laughs> yes. Doing some actress we don't even know yet because that's how much I Oh, my God. The potential. <laughs> wow. I love, I love it. it. This is such a tangent. Kale, you're going to have to cut this out. <laughs> Or leave it if it's compelling. I don't know. Okay. So in this future world of 2032, it seems like there's virtually no crime. So Sandra's character, Lenina Huxley, she seems kind of bored by it. You know, she, she's mm-hmm. a police lieutenant. And her police chief reprimands her for wishing for something bad to happen. Because she just, like, wants some excitement, you know? Mm-hmm. So her partner, played by Benjamin Bratt from Miss Congeniality, which is also in the future from this movie. Yes. His name is Alfredo Garcia, and he tells her that she's still obsessed with the 20th century and needs to get over it. <laughs> also, did you know that Benjamin Bratt ultimately got that role in Miss Congeniality because he and Sandra worked together in this movie and they already had camaraderie and chemistry and knew each other? I did not know that. Oh, I love learning things like that. Love it. Wow, really just set us up for a classic, which we will get to. And they had no idea. So meanwhile, Phoenix, who was also sentenced to cryo chamber, has been unfrozen for his parole hearing. He somehow escapes, cuts out the prison guard's eye so he can get past all the retina scanning gates, which I hate eye stuff. I hate eye stuff. And Phoenix has some powers or something, and he's able to get past all the guards. Side note, how is he getting out for his parole hearing? And... Spartan is still frozen. Like he was this the actual crime. Excellent. Yeah, excellent question. Slight plot hole, but that's okay. Keep going. Yeah. So a smart robot computer reports the guard's death as a code 187, which means murder, death, kill. And everyone is flabbergasted because there hasn't been a murder since 2010. <laughs> so they have no idea what's going on. I wish. Right? Yeah. So they have no idea what to do. Okay, I have to jump in here. During this part, there's like a listing of all the parole hearings that morning, and one of them is Scott Peterson. (laughs) And that crime did not happen until like 2002. So it really did kind of like know the future. So creepy. Or someone like knew him at the time and (gasps) knew he was super creepy. Uh, And they're like, yeah, that guy, he would do. 
so creepy. Didn't his first wife die or <gasps> something yes. like that? In the 90s, I thought. Oh. Maybe. You know what? You might be right. So maybe it was on purpose. But I think when his first wife died, I don't think it got like media attention and stuff. Well, they never do for the first one. Right. I think it was thought to be an accident, right? Yeah. And then when Lacey died, everyone was like, Yeah. Is this, it can't be a coincidence. I think you're right. Are you I'm looking on Wikipedia. Yeah. Okay. I have some information for us. Wow. I'm sorry for anybody named Peterson. This just stinks. Scott Peterson was the one who killed his wife, Lacey Peterson, in 2002. That's the name that was mentioned in this movie prior to that. The one that we were thinking of who had multiple wives, not at the same time, was Drew Peterson. Oh, are they related? I don't think so. Wow. Scott Peterson was somewhere in California. Drew Peterson was in Illinois. Mm, and Really? Yeah. So anyway, crazy that there is this mention of Scott Peterson, who later did commit a heinous crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Phoenix, the bad guy, kills another guy, steals his car. And rather than any of the police going after this guy quickly, they just kind of follow along with him on the screen that they have up of the car. And they seem to be trying to go after him after, like, codes robotically. I don't fully understand that. So Phoenix is somehow able to hack a public computer, though he acknowledges he actually has no idea how because these links (laughs) didn't really exist. And he hears a voice in his head encouraging him to kill, and one of his eyes turns blue. (laughs) One of the things I love about this movie is that there's all these newly implemented, like, societal rules and Mm -hmm. expectations to keep everything very safe and happy. And one of them is every time you curse, you, like, get fined by this robot. (laughs) (laughs) So Phoenix is cursing, and he keeps having to, like, give money to this robot who's fining him. That's so funny. Yeah, it's just a funny kind of recurring theme throughout the movie. Yeah. So the cops arrive where Phoenix is, and they use this handheld device to coach them on what exactly to tell the perpetrator that the, like, device calls the maniac. They're like, (laughs) tell the maniac to lie flat on his back. (laughs) The computer goes, repeat the ultimatum more firmly and add, or else. (laughs) I just love the way they have the, the, I don't know, the humor in the movie is very funny. Yes. So Phoenix takes on all six cops with crazy martial arts and strength, and he destroys multiple cameras in the vicinity. And the police watching on screen back at the station are horrified, and they're like, we're police officers. We haven't been trained for this kind of violence, oh. which well, hasn't, honestly hasn't really aged well. No. So one of the cops next to Sandy is Rob Schneider, <gasps> like a young Rob Schneider, and I didn't even consider that he could have been less than the age of 40 or in any non-Adam Sandler movies before. Right? I know. And someone else who's in this movie, and I am very sad to say I didn't see him, I just saw him in the credits, is Jack Black. Yes. He comes later, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Just like uncredited. Right. Love it. So, oh gosh, I don't know how to pronounce this last name. Dr. Raymond Cocteau? Maybe. I don't remember. Does that seem right? Yeah. Okay. We could just call call him the doc. The doc. He's talking to a bunch of computers at a conference table, and they're talking about Phoenix, and he refers to people called scraps, who seem to be people who have been kind of left out or been shunned by this futuristic lifestyle, and they live underground in the sewers. (laughs) Which I just love. Like, it's great. Yeah. It feels like it should be a musical. (laughs) So, Huxley, Sandra Bullock, 
asks how Phoenix was apprehended in the 20th century, and an older cop tells her all the tactics they used, but that Spartan, the demolition man, was the only one who could actually apprehend him. Which, they credit him with apprehending him, but then they put him in a cryo prison for 70? Okay. Right. So someone says, Phoenix is an old-fashioned criminal. We need an old-fashioned cop. So they go ahead and unfreeze Spartan, Sylvester Stallone. So Lieutenant Huxley starts to explain to Spartan what year it is, why they're releasing him early, and he finds out his wife's, quote, light was extinguished in the big one of 2010, which we think is an earthquake, perhaps. Yeah. And he asks what happened to his daughter, but he doesn't get an answer yet. So Huxley explains that their peaceful, loving society is not prepared to deal with Phoenix. And he learns that anything, quote unquote, bad for you is illegal, which includes, but is not limited to, alcohol, caffeine, non-educational toys, chocolate, meat, contact sports, pregnancy without a license, smoking, and cursing. (laughs) Nope. I love it. I think it's so funny. (laughs) It's hilarious, but I don't want to be somewhere where chocolate is outlawed. Fair. Also, like, we won't go into, like, the ethics behind why they chose these things. (laughs) Okay, so Spartan doesn't want to help them because obviously the law severely failed him. Mm -hmm. But he recognizes the oldest cop, who was actually the helicopter pilot from the opening scene, which is kind of cool that, like, they worked together. Mm-hmm. And they kind of tease each other. It confuses everyone because apparently that's not really how the workplace works anymore. But Huxley says her studies from the past have shown that's how insecure heterosexual males used to bond. <laughs> which is so funny. Yeah. We'll get into her character, but throughout the movie, she's kind of this knowledge source that connects yes. the past with the future because she's very interested in the way that things used to work Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of funny how they connect those dots agreed so phoenix the bad guy goes to a museum and visits an exhibit called the hall of violence where supposedly guns are stored in a locked exhibit and he throws a museum employee through the glass so he can get to them (laughs) again more action scene that's just amazing 90s vibes and i secretly love that this is in a history museum because i of course being weirdo history nerd I am like always wanted to go into the old age exhibit <laughs> this does not surprise me at all Anne loves learning like about colonial times it's true Anne loves history yeah historical fiction is my favorite genre of book mm, so good so the mysterious doc secretly shows up outside this museum and phoenix tries to shoot him but it doesn't seem to work and the doctor tells phoenix no kiss kiss, no bang bang. Don't you have someone to kill? Like, what? <laughs> what? And we realize that it is the doctor's voice who was in Phoenix's head before telling him to kill. Dun, dun, dun. And he brings up the name Edgar Friendly. And it kind of makes you think that maybe Phoenix has been possessed in some mm-hmm. capacity by this doctor. So Spartan and the other cops are unable to catch up with Phoenix at the museum. And when the doc learns who Spartan is, he recalls him being called the Demolition Man. He invites him to a special dinner, which is none other than Taco Bell. (laughs) It is this, like, fancy restaurant. Yes. Like, talk of the town. How on earth was chocolate outlawed and Taco Bell was deemed to be the height of society? (laughs) And Taco Bell is the only restaurant 
in this futuristic world because it was the only restaurant to survive the quote-unquote franchise wars. So now literally every restaurant is just a Taco Bell. I want a movie about that. <laughs> the I want like the battle wars. of like TGI Fridays versus Applebee's. Oh, wow. My two favorite fast casual sit-down chain restaurants. Oh, by the way, for the European release, they changed the restaurant to Pizza Hut because it was more well-known in Europe than Taco Bell. Really? Yeah. That's so funny. Also, we have to mention Allie is a Taco John's purist. Yes. Not a Taco Bell supporter. If you're not familiar, Taco John's is a small regional chain that I, I mean, I'm biased, but is much better than Taco Bell. Same concept, but higher quality. So look it up. If you're near a Taco John's, try it out. It's amazing. I have to say the Taco John's that your dad owns is far superior to other Taco John's that I've been to. Ooh. So feedback for your dad. I take that as a compliment. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I just feel like the potato olays at your dad's Taco John's are better seasoned. Maybe it's the love that goes into it? Oh, probably. (laughs) Hashtag not an ad. Hashtag not an ad. But could be. Oh, this should have been. This should have been. (laughs) Dad. (laughs) So they go to dinner that night. Huxley, Sandra Bullock, talks about the Schwartz. <laughs> this is hysterical. The Schwarzenegger Presidential Library, and that he was president after the 61st Amendment was passed so that he could run for president. And she goes, Wasn't he an actor in your time? So, first of all, another quote that, like, how did it age the way it did? Yes. And second of all, Arnold Schwarzenegger ran for governor in 2003. So is this what inspired him to run for governor? He was like, I can do it. People believe in me. (laughs) He was like, why is this so unbelievable? Right. I mean, they got some things right. Demolition Man is to blame for so many things (laughs) that have happened. Yeah. So this Taco Bell is this swanky restaurant, live piano music. And we find out that the doc is the one who, quote unquote, saved society. Back in the day when humanity was turning against itself. So while at dinner, Spartan notices something out the window and says to call for backup. And then he goes outside to pursue Phoenix, who he sees out there. And all of a sudden, something blows up and a bunch of people erupt out of the ground, which we assume is the sewer systems, to try and steal things like they're trying to loot. And Spartan goes, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life. Both seconds of it. (laughs) Might be my favorite line of the movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Scott loves this movie. He insisted on watching it with us. Yes. And he was kind of like quoting and laughing along with it the whole time. So if that needs, you know. It's like yeah. uh, the 90s dialogue, too. Oh, it's perfect. It's just enough that it makes you laugh and not too much where it's like so distracting that you can't handle the movie. Exactly. So we learn that these people are the ones called Scraps. And the city has been trying to find a way to get rid of them. And the Scraps... They were really just trying to steal food from a catering truck, and Spartan says it's not good to hurt people when they're just trying to eat. So as they're driving home, Spartan says as much as he wants to see his daughter, he's afraid to and worries that he just won't fit in with the world that she's grown up in. Huxley kindly offers to look her up, but he declines. Like, obviously, he's experiencing some shock from this new world. Mm -hmm. So Doc finds Phoenix at his home, Doc's home. And Doc says Phoenix's skills have been given to him so that he can kill Edgar Friendly before a revolution takes place. And Phoenix says he needs five more men like him and provides a list of his preferred people to defrost from the cryo prison. (laughs) 
and he tries to negotiate more of what he wants for doing this job for the doctor. Mm -hmm. So Huxley brings Spartan back to her place, which she has decked out in 90s decor. Like, she's a 90s history fan. Yes. And Huxley immediately brings up there being a connection between sex and violence, and she just asks him flat out, I was wondering if you would like to have sex. (laughs) And... In this, like, 90s decked out apartment that she has, she has door beads. Yes. Did you have door beads? I did not, but I obviously wanted them. Did you? I'm kind of shocked that you didn't. I had even cooler. I had this, like, door bead thing, but it wasn't beads. It was rings of, like, hemp. Oh. Kind of. Yeah. It was very boho. That is really cool. Yeah. I kind of wish I still had it, TBH. I'm pro door beads. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) so she brings back these head cap things and she tells him to relax and they will have sex in a few seconds (laughs) it's like the virtual reality of doing it seriously and he's like does not understand what's happening this is a hysterical scene so of course he does not understand what's going on yeah also like what exactly is happening (laughs) it's unclear because the so they put these, like, virtual reality things on, mm-hmm. and it's not like they're interacting with each other, really. It's just, like, images flashing across the screen yeah. of each other. So he's envisioning these, like, dark, sexy images of her. And we were also kind of, like, trying to figure out what was going on, and I was laughing out loud watching this. Yes, we were laughing hysterically. So... The reason why it's done this way is, first of all, you have to have a license to get pregnant. And second of all, they outlawed fluid transmission sex, interestingly enough, because of the AIDS epidemic and subsequent fictional epidemics. But this was kind of filmed when the AIDS epidemic was still kind of peaking and very strong. So I think it's kind of interesting that they incorporated that. that. Yeah. Yeah. And they also mentioned, like, to get pregnant in this world, they do it via, what is the term? They do it, like, with IVF or some other IUI, method. yeah. Yeah. So afterwards, Spartan tries to kiss her for real, and she avoids it. She says, you're a savage creature, John Spartan. I wish you to leave my domicile now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love future stuff. So funny. It's so funny. So Spartan opens this little time capsule that he was frozen with, and he finds yarn in it that says, behavioral engineering. <laughs> and he seems to... <laughs> He seems to absentmindedly knit while watching a video Huxley got him of Phoenix and the doctor encountering each other outside the museum. So apparently that was like one of the things they subconsciously taught him to like be less violent. So the next day he gives Huxley a beautifully knit sweater (laughs) and Huxley tells him that each prisoner learns a skill that aligns to their genetic disposition. And Spartan is pissed that he's a seamstress while Phoenix got to have such good powers. (laughs) So it kind of, like, makes Huxley curious. So she looks up the skills Phoenix got, and it's, like, a ton of murder skills instead of arts and crafts like all the other prisoners. Yeah, very suspicious. Very. So Spartan calls the doctor suspicious, of course, asking about Phoenix's powers and why Phoenix did not shoot the doctor when they were at the museum. And as the doctor is talking over video to him, Spartan finds him and holds an actual gun to his head. And Huxley doesn't think Spartan should kill him because he saved the city and he's, like, this hero. But Spartan shoots at him anyway. 
I don't think he kills him, though. I think he gets away. I don't remember. Me either. <laughs> we'll find out later in the notes. It'll be a surprise. Okay. So Spartan determines that Phoenix is in the sewer system with the scraps. The sewers have... <laughs> you okay? Yeah. Okay. The sewers have some hilarious artifacts like ATMs. It's this whole community. And Huxley and Garcia, Benjamin Bratt, seem grossed out by the smell, but Spartan follows his nose to, like, burgers and beer. But it's rat burgers. Oh. <laughs> No, no. And they have like old neon Bud Light signs and <laughs> it's so great. So Huxley's like, these people don't actually seem very hostile, which is totally contrary to what they've been told above ground about the scraps. So they come to a 1970s Oldsmobile and they're admiring it when all of a sudden this guy and his friend aim guns at them, played by Dennis Leary, also in Two If by Sea, another Sandra Bullock movie that we'll review later this season. And this turns out this is the Scraps leader. And he says they chose this life because above ground people are brainwashed and don't know how to enjoy life. And we have this hypothesis that this must be Edgar Friendly, who Doc was telling Phoenix to kill before a revolution started. Dun, dun, dun. So Phoenix has, meanwhile, had his band of frozen criminals unfrozen. And they want revenge on Spartan because Spartan, like, arrested all these guys in the past. And he's giving them this motivational speech to bring back the good old days. So Phoenix comes upon Spartan. There's this big shootout. The set looks similar to a very bad movie that we'll review later this season as well. <laughs> Phoenix then goes above ground. He steals another car. Spartan and Huxley get above ground in that Oldsmobile. So it's like not a futuristic car. Mm -hmm. And a car chase ensues. And Huxley has never driven a regular car before. So it's kind of like <laughs> some comedy within that. So while Phoenix and Spartan are fighting, Phoenix tells Spartan that the 30 people Spartan was actually in jail for, for that involuntary manslaughter with the building collapse, were already dead when the building collapsed. Ugh. So Spartan, like, wasn't responsible at all. So that's a bummer. So Spartan crashes. He's looking for his weapon. All of a sudden, all the scraps arrive. And the chief police officer arrives, tries to arrest Spartan, saying he's violated the terms of his release. And he also threatens Huxley. <laughs> And she tells the chief to shovel it. She's, like, trying to bring back these old phrases, yes. but she never executes them correctly. Right. So Doc is excited that his plan with Phoenix is working. But Phoenix gets annoyed that the doctor wants to take people's rights away to be an a-hole. He orders his buddies to kill the doctor, and they do. So now the doc is dead. Mm -hmm. Huxley and Spartan arrive. They're immediately met by some of Phoenix's cronies, and Huxley and Spartan beat them up. And at first, Huxley seems ill-prepared for the fight, since she's probs had no training, because they, like, don't have violent criminals. Right. But suddenly, she's able to do a bunch of roundhouse kicks, and she's, like, very good at fighting. <laughs> um, and she grabs a gun, shoots a bad guy who's about to kill Spartan. She has a perfect shot. And Amazing. And when Spartan's like, where did you learn how to do that? She said she learned how to fight from Jackie Chan movies. <laughs> I do love that they even try to address, like, how this is possible. Because as it's happening, you're like, what? Like, they talk the whole movie about how cops are not trained for violence. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they even attempted to yeah. close that gap. So they find the doctor is dead. And Huxley seems worried, but Spartan promises it's ultimately better for her and for the society. Meanwhile, they discover that Phoenix is defrosting 80 other convicts who have had no rehab yet. Including Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> Huxley says she's learned that sometimes violence is necessary and Spartan says good and then he shocks her 
like, tases her so that she can't come with him, presumably to keep her out of danger. So Spartan gets into the lab where all these people are being defrosted, but he knocks over a computer clumsily and alerts Phoenix that he's there. Another shootout occurs, including lots of great slow motion jumps through midair. Love that, obviously. It's excellent. It's excellent. Spartan somehow gets caught in this giant machine. It's like one of those claws in an arcade game. (laughs) Not sure what the purpose of that is in this lab. And Phoenix just keeps shooting at him, eventually accidentally breaking the machine. They continue to fight. Like, Spartan's free now. Blah, blah, blah. Get really close. Moment of silence. Spartan's like, is it cold in here or is it just me? Which is the same thing Phoenix said to him on the night that the warehouse blew up. Except he said hot instead of cold. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) They continue with... (laughs) old school good old hand-to-hand combat (laughs) and as spartan falls down phoenix goes to stab him and as he's about to do it spartan breaks a cryo cylinder that freezes everything immediately and phoenix's head is decapitated (laughs) and we see it roll in slow-mo on the ground and then break into a million pieces (laughs) we were legitimately laughing out loud so hard at this part and how is it possible that sandra bullock is in two movies where a decapitated head rolls onto the ground i don't have an answer for that (laughs) maybe that's why they did it in (laughs) premonition that was like a little callback if that's a secret like little connection i'm here for it (laughs) oh man yeah, it's, it's excellent. So Spartan somehow doesn't die when this happens, but he slow-mo runs out of the building, of course, screaming, just as the building catches on fire. And the police chief is outside. He's worried about what they'll do without the doctor in the cryo prison, because now, like, Doc's dead, cryo prison's on fire. Mm-hmm. The scraps all want to get drunk and paint the town, but Spartan says they'll find a middle ground, so he's like... <laughs> You know, keeping the peace. Mm-hmm. Huxley thanks Spartan for rendering me unconscious. He dips her, they kiss, and it's dramatic, just like in the best, most cheesy way. Mm-hmm. And she asks, <laughs> she asks, she asks if all fluid transfers are that great. Oh! <laughs> and that's how the movie ends. Yes. This movie <sighs> just like tickled me so much. It really does. And I think it's because it was so unexpected. Very unexpected. The action is just, like, that nostalgic, good action. hmm I feel like the story, though a little complicated to explain, is not complicated to follow. So right. sorry if I did a really bad job at it. No, you did great. And the comedy just throughout is perfect, and it's so, I think, well played between Sylvester Stallone and Sandra Bullock. Totally agree. And this movie debuted as number one at the box office. Like, it was really popular when it came out. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Wesley Snipes is also in this movie. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel like, I don't know. It's just, like, low-key so funny. The 90s vibes. I love when stuff tries to go in the future. And then when you're actually kind of in the future, you're like, what yeah, is this, like, this execution? Is yeah, it's right. so good. I love how creative they got with all the futuristic changes they made or came up with, like mm-hmm. safety foam instead of airbags, the swear tax, Taco Bell being like super nice restaurant. Like, yeah. I just think they got really creative beyond just, oh, we have like flying cars Technology. and right. peaceful society. Yeah, totally agree. Was there anything that you disliked about the movie? 
I feel like maybe the time lapse should have been longer because it's only been 35 years and everyone seems to be like so so out of the loop out of the loop out of touch of how life was in 1996 but like the majority of people in this movie were alive then like or would have been alive then yeah or like born like right around that time maybe like mid-30s right so like I don't know that I think it just seems like it should have been longer ago than it actually was right like we know what rotary phones are right and like they don't have toilet paper in this movie and like yes and none of them seem to know what toilet paper is i'm like how would you forget what toilet paper is like right exactly (laughs) but this kind of makes me wonder what we considered so normal growing up that maybe gen z or even like kids born now like my niece and nephew are little oh yeah like yeah that they don't know about and would never understand like Printing directions from MapQuest or... Yes. Ooh, we should ask about this on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Can you think of anything? MapQuest is a good one. I think we're going to need to source from the Gen Zers. Like, what are things they've heard of that they're like, what is that? Yeah. Or just, like, little kids today. I'm like, they've never heard of a Walkman. Or, <sighs> like, wouldn't remember or even know about, like, going to Barnes & Noble to buy a CD. The whole CD section yeah. of Barnes & Noble's. Oh, CDs, floppy disks. I mean, we were on the tail end of floppy disks. We were. Ooh, what about like Encarta? Did you have that? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, just the fact that we had one computer that we shared for our family yeah. is weird. Or only had landlines. Yeah. And like you couldn't use the internet if someone was using a phone. Yeah, there's so many things. Yeah, there's a lot of things. Also, do kids like have the joy of having walkie talkies? You know, like, that used to be a big deal if one of your friends had walkie-talkies. But now it's, like, kids get phones at age, like, eight, so they don't need walkie-talkies. They're, like, let me just Snapchat my BFF. My niece and nephew have (gasps) walkie-talkies. Really? Yes. And obviously they don't have phones. They're seven and five. But they play outside a lot. You know, they're outdoor kids, and they have (laughs) walkie-talkies, which, like, brings me great joy. I don't know why. Like, I just love that (laughs) concept. Totally. Yeah, this is a question we for sure need to ask people. Okay, and there's one thing in this movie that they refer to. You mentioned, like, they don't use toilet paper anymore. They have some sort of seashell system. (laughs) They talk about the three seashells. And I cannot even form a hypothesis of what the three seashells are. Me either. Okay, Scott loves this movie. Does he have a theory? Scott. Ooh, special guest. (laughs) Special guest. Yes. We have a question for you. Hello. Scott, welcome to the Girl Crush Podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Everyone, this is Scott, <laughs> Anne's boyfriend. Uh, we're putting him on the spot right now. He did not know we were going to, you know, rope him into this. Scott, we're talking about the movie Demolition Man, which I know to be one of your, uh, well, I don't know if you call it a favorite, but I know you enjoy watching this movie. Yep. <laughs> Anne and I have no theory as to what the seashell system <laughs> is. Do you have any idea what the three seashells are used for? I have no idea. I think they're just being like, let's say something so stupid that no one could have any idea what we're talking about. <laughs> I think so, too. Because otherwise, I mean, if it were two seashells, maybe I could have some theories. Right. One in each hand or something. But three seashells? <laughs> like, well, what are you doing? Maybe they're like bidet yeah, buttons. Oh. Interesting. That's the best. I mean, that's the best theory I could come up with so far. You know, it's one of life's great mysteries, never knowing in Demolition Man. Wait, I feel like I've seen something online. 
Wait, it's three. Three. Okay, never mind. Well, okay, maybe it's you use the two in sort of a pincer move, and then the third <laughs> is a, a cursory final cleanup. Kale, as you were speaking, I googled Seashell Theories, Demolition Man. and I'm exactly right. It seems to be so. You hold two seashells like chopsticks, pull jet. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, you pull. <laughs> I can't read this. And scrape what's left with the third. <laughs> yup. You're welcome. How is that better than toilet paper? Seriously. Oh, it's definitely not. Then what do you do with the seashells? You can wash the seashells, I suppose. That's more. Do you get rid of the seashells every time? You sanitize them. They go to a sand composting bin. You could definitely clean a seashell, unlike. Uh, a piece I don't of think paper. that sounds Would very you comfortable. Want to? Oh, I'm not saying you would want to. I'm just saying you could. Would you want? I didn't to... say I wanted to. I no, said no, no. I could. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just throwing this out there. Why is it better? I don't think it is. I didn't write this movie. <laughs> it's more environmentally friendly to recycle the seashells than to use toilet paper. You make a fair point. Wow. Thanks, Scott. I don't foresee the seashell method becoming. Me neither. What Thankfully. year is Demolition Man set in? 2032. Hey, we're close. <laughs> Just want to say real quick, I uh, really appreciate you guys having me. Season two, I, I felt like it was going to be my time to shine. So glad to make an appearance. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciated having your words of wisdom. Glad to be here. Number one fan. Kale, please don't edit this out. <laughs> I would never do such a thing to you. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> what Bye. a guy. Have a great evening. Bye now. <sighs> All right. Yeah. Anything else on the plot? No, I was just tickled by how how much I actually liked it. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so jumping into Sandra Bullock's character, Lenina Huxley, we rated her character a 7.5 out of 10. She's a very likable character. She's kind of naive, very well-meaning. Like, she clearly grew up in this utopian society, but she has such a desire to learn about the past. And she, like, wants in on the action. She's not really scared of what's happening. She's, like, smiling in some of the chase scenes. So, again, she just seems, like, very naive about it all, but she's, like, very well-intentioned. She kind of doesn't show a lot of her own thoughts besides just the fact that she's interested in history. And I think it's Mm -hmm. because of the way that the society is set up in general. Like, everything is so perfect that it's kind of hard for the characters to show a lot of individuality. So I think that's kind of what stopped us from rating her, like, much higher than a 7.5. So maybe that's like a slight drawback, but it makes sense in the context of the movie. Mm -hmm. But she also definitely like has some really cool moments. Obviously, she jumps right into cop mode, even though it's not like the cop that she was trained to be. And she like still maintains this sort of innocence that the cops in that time in this movie seem to have. Yeah, I think her character is such a good blend of just a sign of the times that this is set in, but mm-hmm. also that she has been trying to educate herself on the past and she is very eager to be part of something bigger and like, right. Yeah. I, I liked that they had her character that, or that Sandra Bullock decided that her character should smile during the car chase scenes. Cause it is this like, obviously very serious moment. Right. She's just like happy to be there. Right. She's like, this is cool. Yeah. I mean, she's also not the main character and she's not in the majority of, I mean, she's in a lot of the movie, but she's not, She doesn't have a ton of screen time. Yeah, yeah. The main story is between Spartan and Phoenix. Right. So for Sandra Bullock's acting in Demolition Man, we gave her a 7 out of 10. There's a lot to like here. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love when she tries to speak in the 90s lingo. (laughs) 
like I think we gave the shovel it example, but she's all, uh-huh. she also says stuff like he's really ma- matched his meat. Is that yeah. his match? Yeah, yeah. And you really licked his ass <laughs> instead of kicked. And she says it so seriously, like so confidently. Yes. Love yeah, it. So love funny. It. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a good example of her. Like one thing we love about her is like she brings this quirkiness to a lot of her characters, and. I feel like the way that she handled the lingo here is where that quirkiness kind of comes in because the rest mm-hmm. of it is not like, I don't know, we talked about her character already, does not get to show a ton of personality, but this is like the one little place where we get to see that classic Sandy B quirk. Mm-hmm. I will say like all these people who are in the future, they sound kind of robotic. Mm-hmm. I think that's on purpose. Right. They don't show a ton of emotion. It's the future. Everyone's the same. No one has a personality. Right, et cetera, et cetera. But I think she, like you just said, pulls off that cheesy acting well. Like, yeah. That's what the movie's supposed to be. To that effect, she does an excellent job, really shines mm-hmm. in that role without it seeming dumb. Right. Or unenjoyable. Yeah, agreed. There's one point where she does show some emotion, and it's when she and Spartan are alone together. And he asks about, you know, quote unquote, doing it for real. And she's like, ew, no. And it's just like this really funny part where finally she kind of bursts a little bit in that moment and shows some emotion. So I thought that part was good. And her acting in that scene is really funny. Mm -hmm. Maybe one drawback, like I think the reason we maybe didn't rate it much higher is because like you said, they're kind of supposed to be acting all on one level, like kind of being robotic. And also she didn't show a lot of emotion for someone going through these certain experiences for the first time. Like, even when she got in a fight for the first time or, you know, was experiencing those things that she had only heard of before, I think it just didn't allow her to show her range because of the way that the movie was written. Right. Like, regardless of if you had grown up in that society, like, if you experienced the sewer people coming forth and starting a war, like, you might have a strong reaction to that right. emotionally. Exactly. <laughs> but I guess I don't know. I haven't experienced that. Yeah. Personally. <laughs> yeah. So, like. Good acting, especially considering this was 92, 93. Mm-hmm. You know, solid. solid. Yeah. So for Boss Babe, we gave a rating of 1.75 out of 2. And I think here she was as big of a Boss Babe as she could be considering the circumstances. Like she had zero training and she was able to fight and shoot someone like when it really mattered. Agreed. Very brave, courageous. Yeah. She wasn't afraid of getting into fights or battles that she literally had only read about. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. But there weren't too many instances of it. So that's why we gave it a 1.75 instead of a full-on 2. And she's not the main hero of the movie, right? Right. Right. Exactly. Like, Spartan probably could have done it without her. Right. Right. Like, he totally kicks butt. Do need to note in this movie, Sandra Bullock has an amazing bob cut. Which I feel like is totally different from her standard haircut. Yes. Of course, she pulls it off amazing. And her eyebrows are that, like, early 90s pencil thin eyebrow. Yes, so thin. She also has some fun outfits in this. Specifically, she's in, like, this gemstone halter dress when she goes to the swanky Taco Bell. And it is, like, amazing. She also has elbow-length gloves, and I feel like I recall you wearing elbow-length gloves at some point in your life. Yes, to my senior prom, donned (laughs) the elbow-length gloves, no regrets. I love it. Honestly, (laughs) like, 
if not to your senior prom, then when? Exactly. Exactly. I regret not doing that. If you're listening to this and you're in high school, I don't know what prom dresses look like now, actually, but I wore a white and black prom dress with black satin elbow length gloves. And you looked so classy. Thanks. Where are the gloves? I mean, you won't regret it. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that was going to be my message to the high schoolers. <sighs> Anything else for our boss, babe? No, I think we're good. Okay. So for our Would You Watch Again score, we rate this usually out of one or five, one being we would not watch it again, five being we absolutely would, three being if we were somewhere in the middle. We gave this a three out of five. I feel like I would watch it again. <laughs> this movie feels like a, it's like a funny diehard to me. Yeah, I could see that. And especially since Scott loves it so much, like, I get what you say. You would watch it again. It's just enjoyable. It's super enjoyable. I said I probably wouldn't watch it again, but I definitely think if you haven't seen it, I think it's worth the watch. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I just can't imagine an instance that I would, like, seek it out unless Kale hasn't seen it. So if Kale were like, oh, I want to watch it, then I would say yes, but I'm not going to, like, seek it out myself. That's fair. I think a three is fair. Yeah. So to review, we gave the plot of Demolition Man a 7.75 out of 10, Sandra Bullock's character, Lenina Huxley, a 7.5 out of 10, Sandra Bullock's acting, a 7 out of 10, a Boss Babe score of 1.75 out of 2, and a Would You Watch Again score of 3 out of 5, bringing us to a total score of 27 out of 37 points, meaning Demolition Man is a surprising number 22 out of 48. Was not expecting it. Top half movie. Honestly, was dreading watching this. I was like, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> Go watch it if you haven't seen it. I mean, even though you know how it ends, you could probably have predicted it because it's slightly predictable, but it's very fun. Also, I did an awful job of explaining all those action scenes, so it'll be like you're watch- you've never seen it before, I promise. <laughs> it's really fun. As always, thanks for listening to the Girl Crush Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on today's movie. You can find us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod, or you can email us at podcastgirlcrush at gmail.com. And you can find us on our new website with our special domain name at girlcrushpodcast.com, which we're super excited for. Tune in next time when we'll be talking about forces of nature. Bye. Bye.